1: Yes, God has chosen in His infinite wisdom to not only save us, but to use us. Welcome to Core Truth Radio,
0: a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's core truth.
1: We're picking up again in the study. This is part two. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 19, and I've entitled this message, Treasure. I wonder how many of you thought that when you first gave your life to Jesus, you didn't think it was going to work out for you. I know. I was like, you know, like, it's not going to work for me. I've messed up too many times. I have failed beyond measure in my life, yet here we are today, Bible in hand, our sins forgiven, with our names written in a book of life, with the hope of heaven in front of us, all to the glory of our God, amen, Amen. and here we are, amen, you know, and so yes, if we allow God To change our life. That's exactly what He will do. He will change our life. And because our life is changed, we have a testimony. We have a testimony to this world that's around us that there is a God in heaven. Yes, God has chosen in His infinite wisdom to not only save us, but to use us. God wants to use every one of us. You might think, no, God can never use me. Enough of that already. It doesn't matter who you are, where you came from. You come to know Christ, he wants to use you. He wants to use all of us. We're flawed and we're a sinful people, but yet we found hope in Christ, in the one who made everything. Yes, God's love is a love that cannot be compared to any other love. Why? Because he sees everything. He sees us and yet he still loves us. I mean, think about it. There is nothing that has ever happened in our life under the sun, nothing that we've ever thought in our mind that he hasn't already seen. Every little detail, he has seen it all. Every lie, every bad attitude, every time we cheat or curse, even when it's only in our mind, he has seen it all. God loves us when he sees who we really are. See, that's what true love is. I love you in spite of you. Yes, we're guilty before God. Yet again, somehow, some way, God loves us with an everlasting love. Again, this is a love that's beyond measure. It's beyond our own comprehension, really. Notice verse 5. It says in a New American Standard, God says, you are my possession. If you have a King James Bible, it says, it's translated, you are a special treasure to me. So what translation is true? Well, actually, both are true because... The Hebrew word is a complex word there, and you can't just define it in one English word. So really, that word in the Hebrew really means that we are a special treasured possession of God. That's what the word means. So it's not this translation or that translation. It's both. We are a special treasured possession of God. We are his and no one else's. We are special to God. Understand, the people of God were slaves they were owned by the Egyptians. They had no freedom. They were subject to whatever happened with the Egyptians wanting to do. You know, they were serving these these heathens that that served numerous other so-called gods, which there is, they weren't gods at all, but you know, they served them as if they were. Yet now, the living God, the only God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, The one who destroyed Egypt in front of their very eyes, you know, and all of their so-called gods says, you are mine. You are a special treasured possession of mine. Wow. All the earth is mine, but you are mine. He said in verse six, that they are a kingdom of priests, a holy nation to God and a jewel of great value to him. I asked you earlier, where is your treasure? And here we see God's treasure. It's you and me. All we have to do to see God's treasure is go look in the mirror. We don't deserve it, but yet that's what we are. See, with God, we don't need to be expensively dressed. We don't have to have a high IQ. We don't need to be of a certain race of people. We don't have to be born on a certain side of the tracks. For all of us, men and women, Jew and Gentile, We are equal in the eyes of God, for God loves us. But why? Why does he love us? Because he has chosen to love us. He has made a decision to love us. In his infinite mercy, he has just said, I choose to love you, even though we don't deserve it. I mean, how cool is that? You don't have to get up for it. You don't have to earn his love. You don't have to get up. Oh, I wasn't a very good girl yesterday. I I need to go do this today. It's like, no, 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 no. God loves you. Yeah, but I wasn't so good today. He still loves you. But it doesn't matter. But this is only to those who are Christians. Now, if you're not a Christian, oh, no. Oh, you're, you're in line for judgment. And it's going to be rough for you. But it's like, but he still loves you. His love doesn't change with your actions from day to day. Now, as believers, we have unbroken fellowship with God. I mean, it's just crazy. And when we worship him, we seek him by faith. And when we seek him by faith, which all of us have, right? Did any of us meet God? Did he float down in a cloud and put out his big God hand and shake your hand when you came to know Christ? No, we have come to him by faith. We believe what his word says. We embrace him by faith. And when we do that and we obey his word, what his word simply tells us to do, and we just do it. And that's when our heavenly father looks down from heaven, says, you've never seen me. You haven't seen me like I showed myself to all these Israelites. I had a cloud by day and a fire by night. They watched me split the Red Sea. They watched all these, you know, things that happened to Egypt. They watched water come out of a rock. You haven't seen any of that. But by faith, you follow me. He goes, oh, I love you. I love you like you can't even imagine. And it's just like, you believe me. And he just smiles ear to ear because we are his special treasured possession. He has claimed us, and he promises to be with us no matter what circumstances unfold in our lives. And the way this world's going, who knows what lies on tomorrow? Yes, we are God's precious possession. And how do we know this is true? Well, number one, he came and he died for our sins. He died for us first. We didn't come to him first and then he took care of us later. No, it's like, I died for your sins before you were even born. Plus, i like to revisit that parable that we looked at earlier in Matthew 13, where Jesus said in Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and he hid. And from joy over it, he went and sold all that he had and he bought that field. Again, many define this parable as heaven is the treasure, the man is us, and we need to give up everything and buy the field and follow Jesus. But may I suggest to you another translation? The field could also be likened to the world, a place that is full of people who have lost their way. The man is God himself. So then what is the treasure? The treasure is having a people who have their own free will come to the Lord freely and embrace him as their savior, to love and to honor and to worship and obey him, again, by their own free will. Now, we know that Adam and Eve had experienced that for a moment. Because when they were first created, God would come down in the cool of the day and he would hang out with them. And could you imagine daddy's in the garden? It's like, well, here comes daddy. And they were going, hey, what about this caterpillar thing? That's a wild looking thing. What was it, the giraffe with the long neck? And, you know, I mean, just all the questions and inquisitive. And, you know, Adam and Eve were not like cavemen, like, hmm, yeah, God and field, must go see him. You know, it's like, no, it's like, they say that we're only using like 10% of our brain capacity. I believe that in the beginning, maybe Adam had 100% of his brain capacity, super intelligent, okay, Uh, super knowledgeable, clinging on to everything. And, you know, he would come and talk with God every day. Then Adam and Eve sinned in the garden eating the forbidden fruit that sin brought it upon all men. So we've been eating the forbidden fruit. We all do things that are wrong. So God, in his infinite love, desired to bring restoration to his lost treasure. It started out as treasure. He wanted to bring it back as treasure. Who's the treasure? Humanity. It's me and you. So what did the man do in Matthew thirteen forty four? He sold all that he had and he bought the field. And that's exactly what God did. He gave it all, his own life on the cross. He was bludgeoned to death as he bore man's sin upon his own body so that me and you could be forgiven of our sin. It's what love stories are supposed to be made of, where those who love one another do amazing things. They overcome insurmountable odds and they make incredible sacrifices. And that's exactly what God did. He came to this earth and he died and he was dead and he was buried in a grave and he rose again from the dead. And he has promised us all a resurrection life after this because of what he did. Yes, this parable is a perfect picture of John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Yes, Jesus gave everything for what was precious to him. And again, it was you and me. With a God like that, how could we not give him our treasure back, our time, our resources, we give it back. This is why we do it. When I share with someone outside, I don't have the idea of like, well, you know, I'm a pastor. This is what I do, you know, 40 hours a week. And, you know, when I'm on my time, I'm on my time you know, because, you know, ministry, you get, you know, it can be pretty overwhelming at times. There's times you get calls, you got to go to the hospital. I mean, it's just like, you, know, you always got to go somewhere and do something. It, it doesn't matter. This is what I do. If I'm on the airplane, I'm talking to the person next to me, I'm sure, you know, and I'm not doing this just to build treasure in heaven. I'm doing it because this is my life. I want to take my time and my resources. I want to invest them in the kingdom of God. But this is what God has asked us all to do. Every one of us, which brings up our point, our commitment. Let's read what happens next, picking up in verse 7. It says, So Moses came, and he called the elders and the people, and he set before them all of these words, which we had just read, that God had commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. You because know, remember, he said to obey him and walk with him. And so Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will come to you in a thick cloud, so that the people may hear when I speak to you. What? The people are going to hear this, and they may also believe in you forever. Then Moses told the words of the the people to the Lord, and the Lord also said to Moses, Go to the people, consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their garments. Verse 11. And let them be ready for the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Could you imagine being part of that? Oh, my goodness. So he says, you shall set bounds for the people all around saying, beware that you do not go up on the mountain, nor touch the border of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether a beast or a man, he shall not live. Whether the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. Wow. Oh my goodness. This is crazy. The people are now the people of God here. Okay. And so, and they're to obey the Lord and keep his commandments. And, and the Lord now is saying, what? You're going to be part of my next conversation with Moses. I'm going to let you hear me speak to Moses. Wow. Notice in verse 10, God tells Moses to prepare the people for this monumental experience, uh, experience that they're going to be part of. Imagine being invited to hear God speak. So God told Moses to consecrate the people. That just means to sanctify them. Literally just set them apart for me. It's to dedicate them to the Lord. Because when we are set apart to the Lord, we become his sons and his daughters. Understand when God sets us apart, it's for a reason. It's to be used by him. Okay. So we're told in first Peter 2, nine. Now this is a direct quote coming off of Deuteronomy 19, okay? So Peter is bagging off of what we're reading here in Deuteronomy 19, and he says this in 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen race, a chosen race. You you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people from my own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of me who has called you out of darkness into my marvelous light. That's what you are, every single one of us. Now, if you're an atheist, you're an agnostic, unbeliever, this is not you. So this is not you. But if you're a believer, you are now a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Set apart to do what? You are to proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That is our calling. So again, this is quoting from Exodus 19.6. You're a kingdom of priests and you're a holy nation. Wow. This meeting was going to happen when? On the third day. The people were to get cleaned up. They were to wash their clothes. Verse 15 said, abstain from any intimacy. So if you're married, no sexual relations for the next three days. And in the meantime, <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're, you're done, okay, for three days. But don't touch the mountain, he said. And they were to be patient and wait. Yeah, these are all the steps in proving obedience. God always puts these little things in because like, are you going to obey me here? I mean, do you think he really cares? But he's like, I want you to obey me. So he gives these little things that they were to do. Number one. Go take a bath and wash your clothes. How about that? Okay. Number two, stay within the boundaries that you're told. Uh, I'm going to have you stop right here. I'm going to come down and speak to Moses, but don't touch the mountain. Don't get up and touch it. Don't try to come up and get a little sneak peek of me. Okay. And uh, number three, abstain from any sexual relations with your spouse. Again, that was just a sign of putting off the flusher just for a time to focus on worshiping the Lord, which brings up our final point, his glory. Let's read verse 16. He says, so it came about on the third day when it was morning that there was thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud upon the mountain and a very loud trumpet sound so that all the people who were in the camp, they trembled. Verse 17, and Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Wow, could you imagine that? You're going out out to meet God. Verse 18. Now, Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked violently. And when the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him with thunder. And then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up and then the Lord spoke to Moses, go down and warn the people so that they do not break through to the Lord to gaze and many of them perish. And let the priests come near and the Lord consecrate themselves or else the Lord will break out against them. Okay, so verse 23. So Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, uh, for you warned us, saying, set bounds on the mountain and consecrate it. Then the Lord said to him, go down and come up again, you and Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, or he will break forth upon them. So Moses went down and told that to the people. Okay, wow. So here we have the power and the glory of God, and they're seen in thunder and lightning. The thick cloud and a very loud trumpet sound. In verse 18, the Lord came down in fire as smoke ascended and the mountain quaked. I I just like, whoa, baby. I mean, what do you even say to this? It's like, it must've been a sight. I mean, like, how do you even, you know, you're trying to put this into words here, just feeling the power of God. That's that kind of rumbling that goes right through you. I'm thinking of like, when you go to the NHRA drags and you got the, the nitromethane, you know, dragsters that are, you know, pulling the quarter mile in three and a half seconds. And they're like, you know, it's like 6,000 horsepower, 12,000 horsepower coming to these cars. And when they take off, it just kind of goes right through you. It's like, you know, and it's like, you're, you're talking thunder, not like here in Southern California. You're talking like the worst, gnarliest thunderstorm by on the east coast was kaboom and the house shakes and everything all of this combined just the people were trembling i mean it's just insane here people trembled in verse 16 and the author of the book of hebrews gives us even more insight he quotes moses in hebrews 12 21, and moses says i am full of fear and trembling so now god you know moses has already talked to god a bunch of times so this time, though, is different. Man, he is showing his, his might and his glory and his power through the elements that were all around them. And he came down from heaven in fire, speaking through thunder as the ground quaked. His pulpit was Mount Sinai. His congregation was the delivered people of Israel. Angels were present as they were blowing their trumpets louder and louder. We see this throughout the Bible, the blowing of trumpets. We will hear them ourselves, I believe, when the rapture happens, when the rapture of the church, because all true believers will be caught up together to be taken away with the Lord. And I believe that could happen at any moment. It could happen today. It could happen five years from now. It could happen three days from now. Everything that has to happen prophetically has already happened. But it says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together to be with him in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So I believe that we're going to hear the actual trumpet of God when the rapture happens i you know now look when we are caught up it says it happens within a twinkling of an eye they say there's 10 twinkles to every one blink so that happens pretty quick okay? But I believe we're going to hear the trumpet of God. So I've always felt like, man, I'd be sharing with someone like, man, I'm telling you, man, Jesus is going to come back. I mean, you need to give your life to Christ. They could be looking at me like, you're a moron. You Christians are a bunch of idiots. You know, you need all these crutches in life. It's like, well, I'm telling you, dude, you're going to die one day and you're going to stand before God. No, I don't believe that. Well, guess what? doesn't matter if you believe it or not, but one day Jesus is going to come back and I'm going to be taken away. And I could imagine myself in this conversation and all of a sudden I hear the trumpet. So I'm like, whoa. Do you hear that? And God would say, what? I don't hear anything. No, there's like trumpets going. He goes, no, I don't hear anything. I'm gone. (laughs) Vaporized, you know? And the guy's just standing there like, whoa, where's that guy? He was just telling me about Jesus coming back and taking him away. You know, gone. Bible says in Revelation 8, 6, it says, And the seven angels who had seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them off. Now, when does that happen? That happens at three and a half years into the tribulation period the rapture's already happened. There's seven years left for mankind. It's the apocalypse. It's the end of time. It's the tribulation period. And there's going to be seven years of misery. The first three and a half years is going to be basically man, just like what Russia is doing to Ukraine. It's going to be man fighting against man. God is not going to be thrashing on people. It's just, people are going to be blowing people up, just like what's happening with Russia and Ukraine right now. So that's going to happen for the first three and a half years. But at the halfway period, of the tribulation period, God pours out his wrath and it starts with these trumpets. So the first trumpet goes off. What happens? Hail and fire comes out of heaven and one third of the earth is scorched with fire. Then after that happens, the next trumpet goes off and one third of the ocean turns to blood. The whole earth is, two thirds of it is ocean. So a third of that two thirds of water turns to complete blood. The third thing that happens, a third of all of the rivers of fresh water in the world turned poisonous, they cannot be drank. The fourth, uh, the fourth trumpet goes off and one third of the sun goes out and the moon and the stars are darkened. So what does that even look like? I mean, it's just, you know, the sun, all of a sudden it just loses one third of its power. The fifth thing that happens, the bottomless pit opens on the fifth trumpet and these locusts that have the face of men, hair of a woman, teeth of a lion, and the tail of a scorpion comes out from the abyss. Think about it. I mean, this is just a, a horrific thing, and they sting people, but then the Bible says that man cannot die, so death is taken away. So you're stung by this poisonous creature that comes out, and you can't die. You just lay in the ground and suffer. Then the sixth trumpet blows, and the angels come and kill one-third of humanity. Just wipe them out. Just like the angel, the angel of death came over on the uh, Egyptians and the firstborn died. Well, they take out one-third of the remaining population at that point. It's like these are horrendous things. You're thinking, well, I thought this was a God of love. Yes, and these are all the people that rejected them their whole life. The, the only reason they're there is because they've completely rejected God. They've rejected his love. No, 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 don't want to hear it. So God's like... This is, this is your judgment now. Then the seventh trumpet blows, and that's when we come back with the Lord because the kingdom of the world is now the kingdom of Christ, and he sets his foot on the Mount of Olives, and he reestablishes a new world, a new earth, and he rules over it. So those first six trumpets, those are bad trumpets. You don't want to be a part of that. And that's why we, the treasure of God, his, his special treasured possession, that's why he wants us to go and warn people today.
0: Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also get via our app and online at corechurchla.org or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California 90034.